Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. We've got Matt Harmon and... Our producer, Raghu, um, let's just off the top mention the fact that maybe you've noticed for the past two weeks or so we haven't had a show. We collectively, both, you know, in terms of this particular podcast and the rest of the Yahoo Fantasy crew, decided that in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder and the ensuing protests, um, which, by the way, everyone here supports, uh, we didn't think it was appropriate to come on and joke about fantasy football. So we took a beat. We didn't want to do what maybe some people did and throw up a black square on a Tuesday and not do some reflection and learning. And so we've taken time to do that. And if you're not cool with that, then you can unsubscribe because I don't think, and Matt, I'd appreciate if you chime in here, we're living in a time when you can just stick to sports anymore. Yeah, I mean, my first thought when uh, this was all happening a couple weeks ago was like the last thing I wanted to do personally was get on the mic and, you know, throw back and forth about fantasy football because my thought is like, who who cares? Like, I don't care about that at all right now. I mean, even it's been two weeks now and I still feel like stupid every time I post a tweet about Deontay Johnson's route chart or whatever. Like, really, who, who cares? But... I, I agree with you completely that I, I think, you know, a couple of months ago, like when we're all starting in, into lockdown and quarantine and everything, it was kind of nice to have an escape and have a little bit of something to just tune out and, and focus on football and, and not think about, well, what the state of the world because of this pandemic. But in this moment, it felt like the complete opposite. Like you shouldn't escape from it. I know sports are all are all of our escapes, but it's not. This is not the time to escape. It's not the time to to focus on something else. It's time to really reckon with where we are in our current moment in history, and especially where we've been for decades, years, centuries, everything like that. Yeah, and I think obviously, if you look at what's going on in sports, people are reticent to have something that's recreational for them politicized, except um, the president did that. He has politicized football and the NFL. And we've seen that over uh, the past few years and Colin Kaepernick forcing um, an anthem protest. um, And and I don't want to say forcing, spearheading that effort. And, 
the voices that have been lifted and the conversations that have ensued as a result of that. So, you know, whether or not Matt or I feel like sports is an arena that should be politicized, the truth is it is being politicized. And those uh, ripple effects will show up on the field and off the field. And that, in fact, is our job to talk about. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the Yahoo NFL podcast with Therese Paler and Charles Robinson, I will urge you to do that because not only are they reporting at a fantastic level, but their commentary has been some of the most honest, open-minded, and at times uncomfortable, and we don't grow unless we get uncomfortable. Um, And so I would encourage you, while we were dark, I was listening to them regularly and really proud of the work that they were doing and proud to call them my colleagues. Yeah, I think this is something that we're going to be talking about. And I think it's, it's great to challenge ourselves. It's great to be uncomfortable. I think that was the I mean, as you know, just a straight white male, like this is a this is what I, I said this originally on um, you know a couple of weeks ago that this is the time to be uncomfortable. This is the time to challenge yourself, and and really, we already should have been doing that. Like I think so often we're afraid of feeling guilt, feeling uncomfortable, feeling shame, but that's all a part, at least, and this is from my perspective. You know, again, as a white man, this is all part of it: is being uncomfortable. And being being ready to feel the shame and the guilt that's going to come with this. And this, again, as you said, is how we all grow. And I think Therese and Charles are great. And I think a lot of people have had absolute shining moments in, in, in the sports world the last few weeks because they've taken this opportunity. I mean, we've been all been given this moment to continue to grow and and, and talk about these things. And, and I'm, I'm happy to see so many people in the Yahoo circle and especially without like out of the Yahoo circle that are really having intelligent conversations about that. And we're all going to be having that. Cause like you said, this is a part of the sport, sports world. Now it's not going anywhere and that is good. So like it or not, this is what you're signing up for now. If you're consuming any sports content, I mean, Kyler Murray said this past week that he's going to be kneeling during the Anthem this year. Bill O'Brien said that he'd be kneeling with his players. JJ Watt told him, you know, don't told a fan on Twitter, don't assume what I'm, you know, what I'm going to be doing. Cause I, I, you know, sport an American flag or whatever it's, it's, we're all past that point, you know, and now we get to, we get to see what's going to happen. You know, if there's a season and all that, what that's going to be. And it's going to be a part of the conversation no matter what. And you mentioned we have been given this opportunity to get uncomfortable. And let me just highlight that by saying what a privilege that yeah. all we have to do is get uncomfortable. That's exactly. all. We just got to get, we got to get that little feeling in our tummy. Um, and, and that's, that is, you know, our director of content, Sarah Crennan often references a quote by the great Billy Jean King. And I have thought about it many times during quarantine and frankly before. Um, <laughs> and that is pressure is a privilege. And so now is an opportunity to feel the pressure and use our privilege. And again, if you don't like it, there are plenty of podcasts out there who are just going to talk about, you know, Dalvin Cook holding out. Guess what you're going to do, by the way? (laughs) I can already tell you what the advice is going to be. So we are, you know, going to touch on those topics, not in a soapbox way, but as they relate to sports and football and fantasy And so we just wanted to get that out of the way so that we were completely transparent. Y'all knew where we were coming from and could could make choices from there on out. Um, Matt, also, you mentioned uh, quarantine. 
and COVID-19. <laughs> still a thing. Still a thing. It is still a thing. People may not want to believe it's a thing. We're all uh, – various states and cities are opening up at different degrees. Um, and yet the numbers are showing, the data is showing that, you know, COVID is not gone. Uh it's interesting. I have a very good friend who lives in Jacksonville, and she is an epidemiologist. And we talked this mm. morning, um, and it was interesting because if you've seen the reports in Jacksonville, uh, there was a, 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 a woman who went to a bar with her friends, and now 15 people have – Jacksonville made the news because this event happened in Jacksonville. And I was talking to my friend who is a CDC-trained, went and got her um, – secondary master's degree from Emory. Obviously, that's in Atlanta, which is where the CDC is based and has trained with them um, and is working as an epidemiologist. Also, as a side note, we'll get to sports in a second. I will say that she is living with a husband who is battling cancer. So her stakes are very interesting. Um, Going to work every day to stay healthy and then having an immunocompromised uh, loved one at home. So it's a very fascinating point of view. But she very much said uh, it is still a thing. And Everybody is interested in sports coming back. It's also fascinating to me that that is where the conversation is going all of the time. And not just because you and I work in sports, but this woman who lives in Jacksonville is saying, like, everyone wants to talk about sports. All everyone wants to talk about is when are sports going to come back? And she's an epidemiologist saying, like, you know what? I I don't know. Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. I mean, if you ask the MLB... That's a whole nother thing. We do know that the NBA is planning to uh, return via a bubble in Orlando at the end of July. Um, And now the news today, we're recording on on Thursday, Dr. Fauci said he expects a similar strategy, a bubble strategy to exist for the NFL. Sean McVay immediately saying, uh, is this real life? I don't how is what? Yeah, he said we're going to so- – Sean McVay said we're going to social distance, but um, we're going to still play football. I don't quite get it. So, yeah, most of us don't really get it, Sean. Um, but, yeah, Dr. Fauci said that it would be hard to see football coming back unless they're insulated in that bubble type of situation. And, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's that's my feeling with all of this stuff. Uh, I have no idea what's going to happen, but it does feel very weird that the conversation is always on – sports and maybe that's a and yet we're supposed to stick to them right right? but like how is how is everybody i mean that was the point that i was trying to make that my friend is the sports is representative and symbolic of so much more than whatever field is being played on a field pitch court etc yeah i mean i i think i saw somebody somebody replied to our, our friend marcus grant from the nfl network when he uh tweeted about this someone said there will be riots if there are no sports coming back interesting timing to to say something like that but i mean phrasing phrasing yeah right but it's also i mean look it's probably not is that crazy i mean people were out there in the streets protesting because uh they couldn't get a haircut a couple of freaking weeks ago so i think people would be super pissed if there was no nfl in the fall but and again i think that just speaks to our weird consciousness as uh as a nation or as a group of people whatever because is sports returning the most important thing in the world? The most important thing, even in this pandemic? No, but I think it's a big representation of life returning to normal, which 
people clearly so badly want to happen, even if it's not time for that. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with football in the fall. I obviously I hope there's football, but I hope we're at a point where we can do it. We can do it safely. I don't know what that looks like because I because I I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about this. That's interesting. I mean, I, I think we are going to have football. I do, too. Yeah. I don't think when you use the word safety, um, I think there is. I mean, we see people having debates as to whether or not they should or have the right to not wear a mask at a grocery store. Right. Like we're talking like safety for whom? Yeah. Safety. And that is part of like a greater conversation that I'm not going to get into because I think that that's a completely like philosophical. We can save that for like the um, eyes in the sky. Maybe we're not completely lucid podcast, (laughs) but like, but, you know, I I also talked to um, as part of a story that I'm doing on the effects of COVID in youth sports. I talked to an orthopedic surgeon and um, sports medicine doctor who is at USC, um, mm. the Trojans here. And he said, basically, I mean, he said a lot. It was a fascinating um, interview and conversation. But he said that at the collegiate ranks, because this is either a domino situation, um, whether it goes uh, like a cascade down up or up down you know what i mean like it that youth sports is in and collegiate athletics are waiting on the nfl to make a decision so that they can put things into place and then the high schools who have their own scouting system are are waiting and and so there is this weird Mm. cascade event and he says that right now usc is planning and obviously usc is a pipeline to the nfl michael pittman's a thing this season and we're both high on him right so obviously it's, it's a school that has direct ties to the nfl um and he said that the major focus at USC is getting football back, and then they're going to start working on some other sports, but football is the main sport for the fall that they're focusing on. And the plan right now is to have everybody temp screened, everyone who goes in and out of the building temperature screened, active, regular COVID testing, all athletes uh, quarantined for 10 days before uh, 7 to 14, but he's going to land on 10 days before um, heading back to practice. And this is something I hadn't heard yet in terms of the NFL. Um, All of the athletes will be living and training in small groups. And the Mm. assumption is that it'll be the same eight individuals all of the time. He assumes that the high school will try to, that the um, high schools will try to follow these same social distancing protocols if they can. Um, but that is the plan for USC, and and if they are getting their cues from the NFL, then yeah, I'm a little bit frustrated with Sean McVay, who says, "Well, how are we supposed to do this?" And it's like you get to do it, but that that's the answer. Either don't do it, or you get to do it. Yeah, you know. And if you're gonna do it, I don't know. Zeke Elliott just today tested positive for COVID, right? And he's asymptomatic, and. And feeling fine. Charles Robinson on the aforementioned NFL Yahoo NFL podcast mentioned that, you know, Zeke's a pretty social guy. That's that's not breaking news. Yeah. And so um, you have to imagine he's been in contact with other people. And so, I mean, I am thinking from a fantasy perspective, if you don't like working the waiver wire, this is not the year for you in fantasy. Yeah, that that is one thing I think about is 
we just have no, like again have no idea. I agree with you. I think there's going to be a football season. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Alan Sills put out a statement through. I think I saw Tom Pelissero from NFL Network tweeted out. He's the uh, the NFL's chief me- chief medical officer about you know yeah we're like. Obviously, the NFL's not said anything publicly about what they're doing in terms of, hey, here's plan A, plan B, plan C. Here's the fallback to plan C. But clearly, those discussions are happening. It's just not, you know, out there in a statement. And essentially, that's kind of what he said was like, we're, we're, we're making sure that we can be flexible and put things in place. Even if right now the business as usual statement is we're expecting a 16 game season starting on time, fans in the stand, all that. We, I think we all probably agree that this season is going to look very, very different. And, you know, things can change wildly within a few months, but I don't think by the time September rolls around, we're going to be at a point where it's just like, yeah, oh, all things back to normal, fans in stands, whatever. But we, I, that my, that's my point too, is like, I think we just haven't even really reckoned with as like a fantasy football industry how weird things are going to be looking this season. You know, I think about this even from, you know, like a reception perception angle. And this is just one of the many thoughts I have. You know, I, I, I chart eight games worth of, of of a player. I'm like, how many times is, uh, it might eight games be like indicative of a, a full season for some of these guys next year? Because it's just going to look that weird with guys, you know, popping in and out because they test positive. You know, I know they'll probably expand the active rosters. They are going to expand the practice squads. And it, again, this it, it does all feel very weird that it's like, great, we're just coming up with all these good solutions about how we can just get sports back. But I, I do think those... Those decisions and those moves will have an effect. Every just as like we're saying, we we're not going to be able to just because you shouldn't be able to just escape from the social justice and Black Lives Matter conversation right now. That's going to be a part of sports. Same thing with the coronavirus. Like it's going to be a part of our sports conversation from here until an undetermined end date. And I don't think we quite know what that's going to look like. Obviously, in the fall. And when I so when I spoke to to that point, Dr. Alex Weber, which is who is the uh, orthopod and sports medicine team doctor um, at USC, I said, well, what happens if, you know, like, let, let's say it was Michael Pittman who tested positive and he emphatically said star players have to be pulled and quarantined if they test positive. All players have to be treated the same. That yeah. is it. Now, immediately, like the cynical part of me is like, okay, like, oh, who's going to who's going to administer yeah. these tests now? Yeah. How How is that going to? But even if that doesn't happen, the other thing I asked him as an orthopod is, well, what about the incidence of like soft tissue injuries or, you know, these players who have not been conditioning necessarily at the same rate that they always did, or at least in the same way, right? Like the Rocky montage, that was a movie that came out before you were born. The Rocky I've seen montage. it though. I've seen it though. <laughs> the, uh, Is, what's the, what's the damn song in the background? Uh, I have the tiger. Is it, is it I have the tiger? I, no, it's the final countdown. It's the oh, final okay. countdown. That one too. Yeah. Banger. But we're all we're all familiar with him, with Rocky, like, you know, using a slab of meat as his <laughs> as his bag. Right. And like running the stairs in Philadelphia and anyone who goes to Philadelphia, like runs the stairs and puts their arms up. It's a thing. But if that and that can work, but it also changes the um, the way your body is strengthened. And, you know, and so I, I asked him, you know, like, what about 
what are the injuries that you're most expecting seeing? And he said hamstring pulls, Achilles tendonitis, ACL issues, rolled ankles, and soft tissue overuse. So when I think, I mean, the ACL thing caught my attention because that has, over the past few years, we think about Adrian Peterson being a damn Lamborghini and James Andrews just, you know, putting holy water over his knee and it working again. And so that has become one of those injuries that prior to, I don't know what, like six, seven years ago was pretty much a death knell is now in terms of career longevity is now not when we blink at, but I don't know if also, if, if there is this second wave that well, but PS we're not through the first, yeah, right. Wave, so th- whatever this is not like, but if there is this potential second wave in the fall, which is when obviously football is supposed to return, and all of these, um, uh, what are they like? Um, the kind of surgeries, elective surgeries, and all of these elective surgeries are postponed because the hospitals are full of COVID patients. Then, what happens? Like, can someone's um, shoulder AC joint issue be remedied as immediately as they're used to? Yeah. So I think, again, like when we're looking at fantasy, you know, we've talked at nauseum about the continuity argument, but also benches are going to be maybe there's a fantasy conversation and we as a community and I'm sure our product team is going to hate me for this one comes up with deeper benches. Like maybe it's not as crazy. Like everyone who's been waiting for Mike Boone season might actually get one. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like all of the uh, all of the like deep sleeper truthers. This is when, you know, when Odell Beckham, something happens to him. This is Richard Higgins time. Finally, this is my moment. Uh... <laughs> Richard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones out with the old and in with the new friend oh no never never give up never never say never say never uh so i think one of the the best points you made up there is uh the the achilles part because back in the i always think back to the 2011 lockout that was when like achilles were just left and right when players got back into facilities and they because they'd been away so long and we already saw for just this week brandon brooks the eagles guard one of the stud offensive linemen that they have and throughout the entire nfl he just popped his Achilles this past week. So yeah. this I think that could be a situation where this happens a lot. And that's just that's just adding to the fact that we are gonna have to pay attention to these players that we never have before. I, I, I think too, how many times I've just dunked on people for being so stupid that they think they have to draft a second quarterback in a one quarterback league. Give me a break, my friend. You can just play the waiver wire. I don't know. I might like to have uh, Daniel Jones behind whatever quarterback I have in case my quarterback gets uh, gets COVID and he's gone for a few months. And and again, this all feels so stupid to talk about. Or, or because he gets sacked so much that he eventually hurts himself because your O-lineman can't gel because whole groups of these, if these are guys are going to be practicing in groups of eight, like the entire first string O-line squad all comes up with COVID at the first time. I mean, in the first test and they're gone and you've got a complete second string of O-linemen. And also the other thing that, that Dr. Weber mentioned was that, um, you know, you've heard about long-term effects of COVID and the potentiality of those. And what do they look like? Some people are getting this lung scarring. Yeah. Um, and he said that, that weight and obesity is one of the direct links to lung scarring that they are discovering. Mm. And when I think about the old linemen, those are not, those are robustly built humans. Big fellas. Um, yeah. Right. And so 
also, if your cardiovascular health is attached to your success in career, then that's, are you willing to put yourself at risk? And so I am particularly, I was actually thinking like, you know, we used to do all this research about like the O-line and, and how, you know, they'll block and that helps the quarterback, especially if you don't have a mobile quarterback, if anything, Kyler Murray's fine. Like he, we saw last year, he could do fine. I don't know if I'm going to draft any high floor statue SQBs, knowing what we do know about not just, you know, the way COVID affects people who are perhaps a little more weighty hmm. than others. Um, but also assuming that like squads of positional players could be wiped out in the same time. Yeah. It's all of these things are just so important to take into account and to think about. And just, again, it's, I just don't know how to weigh that. And we probably will not get a, like a correct answer to, to that, but it's just, do you think just the the entire 2020 football season, supposing that there is one, we just look back on in five, ten years as just like one big fat asterisk? You know, like none of what we saw in 2020 matters. Uh, whoever wins the Super Bowl, that that team, oh. like all their fans are just going to hate the fact that, that it's like, ah, yeah, but the 2020 season, that was so messed up that it. who cares what happened? I mean, if, if, if the picture that you're painting and, and I'm agreeing with you that this is probably pretty close to reality, it's just, does this, does it, does the 2020 season even matter? Because all of these things are so weird, uh, you know, that, that we just, we just look back on it. It's like, that wasn't even a real football season. We were having guys getting called off the third practice squad to come start at left tackle for Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. And he got clobbered <laughs> 10 times in one game because he can't move. Right. I mean, you can look at it that way, or you can look at the potential, the resiliency potential, right? Like maybe yeah. you find the next Chris Carson, like maybe the Greg Wards show up and that is extremely exciting. You know, like I, I would love to see the deepest of deep sleepers. That's not even on the radar, get his shot and take it and be rewarded. So we don't know what heroes can, you know, that we're probably that are currently unsung can rise to the occasion in a weird confluence of circumstances. Um, and again, from a fantasy point of view, like I'm just already thinking whatever draft grade you end up getting does not matter anyway. But in this year, it really doesn't because it will. I mean, you're going to have to be working the waiver wire again, assuming we start in September on time. From by jump. late August. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, there's, from jump. there's no. um so let's talk about that, actually, because there is already uh, today it was reported that Debo Samuel, who had himself a rookie campaign, broke his foot. Um, and that is obviously a hit to the San Francisco 49ers because of his multiple ability, his versatility. But also our fantasy managers now. Is it worthwhile to take a deeper look at Brandon Ayuk, who I believe you um, did the rapid reaction to as he was drafted during the NFL draft and who, you know, we know similarly, at least it has a lot of that yak potential. Yeah, Ayuk definitely has the same sort of yak potential that Devo Samuel does. Uh, he is a guy that I thought actually could, you know, and Debo, to, to Debo's credit, I thought he showed up better as a vertical 
player and especially like on digs and posts down the field that actually showed up better than I expected him to as a rookie. But Ayuk is more of that guy that he can be, I think he could be a very good downfield receiver. Like when people compared him to Golden Tate, those type of guys, I thought he could be used more vertically than some of them. But the the catch there is, I think he's got to be lined up against off-man coverage. Like we've just, there's nothing on his college film that shows you almost any indication that, oh, this is going to be a good player against press man coverage, especially in his rookie year, especially in in a COVID adjusted off season. He's going to be able to go out there against NFL corners, you know, whether whether they are from the, the, the B squad or the C squad or the D squad or whatever, uh, that he's going to be able to go out there and beat press coverage in the NFL. He just doesn't get a lot of reps against that in college. And even when he did, he, I don't think he performed very well, but he does have enough subtlety in his deception part of his route running that, where he can do the head fakes. He can take you outside before breaking back inside and make big chunk plays. But again, I think those are going to have to be schemed the right way. Of course, Kyle Shanahan, I think is a great schemer. And I think that there's, a lot of ways, I think there were plenty of ways that they could have put Ayuk and Debo on the field together. Like, I don't think that their roles were going to overlap anyways. It's certainly probably an opportunity boost for a player like Ayuk, but let's take it to that deep sleeper level too, because I think that they could take a player like Jalen Hurd, former running back. Also, Ayuk is much more of like a slender, smaller player than mm-hmm. Debo Samuel is. I mean, Debo beyond the fact that he was just great after the catch, he's a badass. You know, he was a bully out there and a, and a very physical player. I think Hurd might be able to do more of that than Ayuk, di- than Ayuk would be able to do in a theoretical Debo Samuel t- type role. So in a year where we're ar- – look, we're already talking about these deeper sleepers, and I think Hurd could be a perfect guy, and I know someone that I spent a late-round Dynasty uh, startup pick on pretty recently. Heard over Ayuk is what you're saying. Ayuk, the obviously the like hotter name because it's the newer name, and Heard has it has has not broken out. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah, he didn't, and he didn't even have a rookie season, so they're kind of right. essentially starting on the same playing field. I mean, I don't know that it's going to be Heard over Ayuk, but I think that let's keep our minds open to a couple of different players, specifically fitting into this type of role too. Because I thought what was interesting about Debo too is that they really kind of lined him up. As in, like, not as a slot player very often. He was more used outside, but obviously was used on layup type targets plenty and a lot in the running game. And I think that's what makes Hurd interesting is that he was a player that did line up in the slot a lot when he did move to wide receiver in at Baylor. And I think that they could get Hurd the ball as a running back, as an H back, as um, you know, just a player out in space. I think there's a lot of potential there. And Hurd though. I mean, looking back at him, uh, he was a converted running back, right? Like that was yes, previous yeah. a position he played in college. At Tennessee, he, pl- he was uh, in the SEC, right. actually put up pretty good numbers as a running back. And I can't, I don't remember exactly what happened with him, but eventually he ended up, tra- he transferred to Baylor and he right. played uh, slot receiver there, you know, H-back slot receiver, whatever. But yeah, he moved to a full-time quote wide receiver on the depth chart. All right. Well, I think that that's a great nug. Um, and that's interesting, especially if you're talking about using Ayuk because of his slighter build um, as more of a, a downfield threat um, and a, a speed element, adding more of a speed element when you're also noticing that Goodwin's not on the squad anymore, right? Yep. Like that hole needs to be filled. And so there is um, some definite... 
I forgot. It, I th- forgot Marquise Goodwin was on the Eagles. <laughs> Um, yeah, three, he's on the Eagles now. 30,000 things have happened, uh, you know, in the past however many weeks that the, that the draft went down. But I for, totally forgot that Marquise Goodwin is on the Eagles. And, you know, we're talking about Jalen Rager may or may not start in year one. Deshaun Jackson, what's the deal there? Alshon Jeffrey, give me a break. Got about all, maybe Marquise Goodwin, uh, deep sleeper there. Were you in on the, um, the Eagles uh, team preview? that we're doing on the website? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was. Who was your deep sleeper for the Eagles to that end? Oh, there, I, are, there is a lot. There are a ton of question marks. Uh, I think my, oper- my, my thought was just take a pass on this whole wide receiver core. I think that I think uh, their, I think their offense is going to look a lot like it did at the end of last year. I think it's going to be tight ends pass. Like, Oh, I think my, I think my hot take was that both, uh, both Miles Sanders and uh, Boston Scott, like our very whatever I put down was like are are relevant uh, in PPR formats and half PPR formats because I think both of those guys can catch a lot of passes because the wide receiver core has the same amount of clarity it did to me you know midway through last year which was not a whole hell of a lot. There's there isn't much clarity, but I will say the thing that I found fascinating about the wide receiving core is. I had no idea at the time that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was as injured as it has come out that he was indeed. Yeah. Like he did a report where – or he did an interview where um, he said that he needed help going to the bathroom. I mean this is like a guy in his early 20s. That's first of all something that takes a lot of vulnerability to admit and I don't think anyone wants to do it freely. So also – I don't know, to be so injured that you need help going to the toilet is something. Tough. And so, yeah. and he still has, like, he's only one year removed from being drafted. And we know that out of Stanford, he had a lot of contested catchability, um, super sure-handed, obviously something that the Eagles are in desperate need of. So I'm, I'm not as, like, I kind of don't think, Alshon Jeffrey, even if he's back, is going to be back. Like, there's all the reports about his knee and his rehabbing, and like, it's not right. But also, I think we're forgetting about the snitching situation. I think he's kind of cooked, anyways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whether he's cooked, I also, there does not seem to be good feelings around that particular relationship and energy on the team. And so. I think that gives Arcega Whiteside an opportunity, again, assuming he's fully healthy, um, to take on, to, to, to like have a role in, in a real role in the offense and like siphon a, a serious amount of targets. Well, I've actually given you a shout out about this on a couple of pods. I think on this one, when you, when you, I was hosting with somebody else and then on a few other ones too about the Arcega Whiteside thing, because I do think what makes him interesting in this particular wide receiver room is what you used to say about Darius Slayton last year is one of these things doesn't look like the other. I think Arcega Whiteside is that guy uh, because he's the bigger, like you said, outside contested catchability player, very different than again, remove Alshon Jeffrey from the equation. Exactly. Different than Rager, different uh, than Marquise Goodwin, different than Deshaun Jackson. A lot of these speed receivers, smaller guys they've bought brought in, I think that alone does make him, you know, a candidate to be like a DJ Chark type player who DJ Chark did nothing in his first year uh, and didn't didn't really pop even when he was on the field. Uh, I would I don't know that he was as bad as our Sega Whiteside was last year, but there's then we know what DJ Chark did. 
he comes out in his second season, he has a thousand yards and actually looks really, really good doing it. So he's definitely a candidate to be that type of player for sure. If, if truly he was as injured as he was, as he says he was last year, which, you know, I have no reason to doubt. Right. Are there any, I know that like we're in mock draft season, which again is striking me as a particularly, like it tickles me that we're doing all of these mock drafts because if any year, if if the team you end up with is, I cannot imagine a season in which the team you draft will look nothing like the team you end up with until 2020, right? So, but that being said, have there been, whether it's because like, for instance, um, I did a, a mock draft earlier today and Tony Pollard, I'm assuming because of the news of Zeke's COVID um, diagnosis, like went in like the eighth round. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that feels a little bit knee jerk, but <laughs> okay, also we're doing this. Yeah. It, right. Right. But like, also it's a mock draft and like, I think some people enter mock drafts. This is not me, but I think some people enter mock drafts just trying to make wild picks so that they get written up, which is a, is a thing that exists. Weird. Um, Very weird. I know. I know. Like, let's make, let's take, let's reach for a guy so you could talk about, you can get some spotlight on yourself. I'm like legitimately like, oh, this is practice. And also I've never used this particular product before. So, ah, the clock is running down. Um, but uh, have you noticed any... As you're doing these, and I imagine you are, any, like, weird things that stick out? Any players that you're like, oh, really? Like, no one is uh, touching – no one's touching Curtis Samuel. Not not even, like, 12th oh. round. I finally took him in the – right? Oh. Like, no one's taking Chris Sam- Curtis Samuel. People love Tony Pollard. People love Alexander Madison. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. You know, obviously the Dalvin Cook holdout is probably contributing to part of the reason that Madison's uh, ADP is rising. Well, what about you? Like, what are some of the if, or do you want to comment on the Samuel thing since a year ago you were, you know, laying back and smoking cigarettes while watching his film? Yeah, feels like quite a long time ago at this point. But um, yeah, well, great timing because uh, New Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady had a little Zoom press conference today. And let me just throw you out some quotes uh, that that he had about Curtis Samuel. And I was alerted to this on Twitter. And obviously, I, po- I post. I'll talk about a meme on air here that I posted afterwards. But you know, we are back. We, we are, are back. We are if back. you guys missed that, here you go. No one missed that. But anyway, some of the quotes: Curtis is going to be critical to our success. Curtis is the one guy I can't wait to see. Curtis fits the mold of what we're looking for in this type of offense as a guy you utilize all around the field. Quote, I'm excited for him to take the next leap. Uh, obviously, hell yeah. You know, we're, we're back. No, but but seriously, I agree with you. Curtis Samuel's a guy that nobody wants to take. And, you know, I, I just put out reception perception a couple weeks ago. Curtis Samuel was the first guy that, obviously, the damn footballers, uh, your pals, did not have them in the t- him in the top 50. But he was the 51st player that I put in there. Uh, because obviously I was curious about what he is. I mean, it's just such an easy reason why it didn't happen for Samuel last year. Nobody ran more nine routes, you know, straight go routes down the field than Samuel, except one player, and that was DK Metcalf. We know DK Metcalf was working with a limited set of routes last year, obviously. Samuel's just running straight down the field with a quarterback who can't play, who can't push the ball down the field. 46% of his patterns in reception perception were either a nine, a corner, out, or a comeback. Those are all deep, outside, difficult routes to throw, whereas DJ Moore, 48% of his routes were a slant, a dig, or a screen. Those are 
easy layup throws for a bad quarterback like Kyle Allen to make. I think if the Panthers, I mean, they just signed a great vertical threat in Robbie Anderson to take, maybe they'll put Samuel Moore in running some of those curls, the digs, the routes that he's really, really good at. And he becomes more of a, a, a shallow target player. I think he could easily break out again this past year. Plus, I put out a thread, too, on Twitter uh, with reception perception data about why Samuel, if he does, if he never has a 1,000-yard season, he would be like the outlier of all outliers in reception perception work I've done. You can check that out if you're interested. But point is here, I think Samuel's a great guy to mention. Another player that nobody seems to want to touch Sterling Shepard, I think I've drafted him in every single one of these stupid mocks or, you know, eliminators or whatever we're doing right now. And I think he could easily be the Giants' best receiver this year. Another guy that still, you know, has, I think, a lot left to give based on his reception perception. But the one the one thing I will say is there's plenty of these great receiver values late. But one thing that it has been a consistent theme is it, it feels like everybody knows that, you know, everybody seems to want to draft running backs early. And, and let the wide receivers slip, which I think in theory obviously makes a ton of sense. There's a lot of receiver depth and there's not a ton of like, you know, after you get past round three, it's like, I, all right, great. Now I hate all of these running backs. I really don't want to have a tandem of David Montgomery and Ronald Jones, but that sure as hell might happen. So I, I would just say, be, be careful if you go into that plan, you're going to a draft with that plan because that can easily get just destroyed quickly. And then you are looking at a receiver core, of a bunch of very volatile players. Well, uh, so I think that's interesting. And I do, uh, the the phrase this year, we all know zero RB, right? That's not the case. Now it's robust RB. So we're all looking at our robust RB. Some people are taking the first four rounds because of the way the position thins out after that juncture and four straight running backs. I w- am not willing to do that. In my first four rounds, generally speaking, and let's assume this isn't a super flex league or a tight end premium league, but just a standard half point PPR, you know, start one quarterback, two wide receivers, two running backs and a flex. Um, uh, I am of those first four rounds drafting a running back of the three and then getting Allen Robinson as my wide receiver every time. Like that is the only I, I want a high floor wide receiver. To me, the only wide receiver worth entertaining is because of his current ADP and because of his skill set and because of the team is Allen Robinson. Done, done, done. The running backs before and after him are all, you know, dependent on my mood and draft position. Hey, I mean, I will never talk somebody out of drafting Allen Robinson, uh, who had the top score in reception perception success rate versus man coverage this past year. All right. Well, let's, let's end, let's end this podcast with the bears on a high note. Cause that doesn't really happen often. <laughs> hey, Anthony Miller, I think he's going to be a breakout player too. Late, late round. Like I like Anthony Miller a lot this year. So there's two bears. Okay, positive well, notes. let's not give away all of the, we still got months to go. All yeah, right. Good point. <laughs> before we start doling out all of the nugs and information we are looking forward to many conversations we are looking forward to a season however that season shows up and we will be discussing the new wrinkles and question marks surrounding it so thank you guys if you've been hanging out for two weeks for coming on back um we will be back next tuesday and again check out the yahoo sports nfl podcast with therese and charles you can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF, and that is Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We're out.
no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.